Welcome to the Unmade Podcast, looking at media and marketing from an Australian perspective. I'm Tim Burrows. Recently, I published my first book, Media Unmade. It quickly became an Amazon bestseller. It's the story of Australian media's most disruptive decade. It's published by Hardy Grant, and you can buy it at all good bookshops and online. In the coming weeks, I'll be sharing the full audio edition of the book here on the Unmade podcast. Coming up is the next chapter. Now remember, only Unmade's paying subscribers get to hear every chapter. If you haven't already, you can sign up at unmade.media. As well as supporting my work as an independent journalist, you'll receive exclusive industry analysis in both written and podcast form. And once you sign up, you'll still be able to get our paid podcasts inside the app of your choice. It only takes a couple of clicks. Now, on with the book. Chapter 16. Today was yesterday. In which Kyle Sanderlands triggers the creation of a new station in Defecting from Today FM, which is never to recover. Eddie Maguire puts a King Kong-sized foot in his mouth. And a huge gamble by Kieran Davis on an unknown Brit pays off big for Melbourne's Gold FM. It's almost too good to be true. An anonymous email arrives in the inbox of Mumbrella's deputy editor, Nick Christensen, purporting to come from Roger Sterling. The pseudonym is an appropriate one, Roger Sterling is one of the senior partners in ad agency drama Mad Men. The radio industry is full of speculation about the biggest talent switch in a decade. In five days' time, on Friday the 29th of November 2013, Kyle Sanderlands and Jackie Henderson will present their last show on Southern Cross Stereos Today FM, where they have dominated Sydney's breakfast ratings for most of their nine-year run. Speculation is rampant about what they'll do next. Rumour has it that rather than retiring from radio, as Today FM believes, they may be joining Australian Radio Network. The email reads, Hi, thought you might be interested in these pics that confirm Kyle and Jackie O are going to relaunch on Kiss FM in Sydney. An agency in Redfern is working on them and they don't seem to want to close their windows. The kiss shot was taken last night. The today was yesterday one was taken on Monday. It's plain to see for anyone walking past their office via a side lane. I work for another radio station that doesn't compete with today, so normally I wouldn't care. But they've been doing this in public view since Monday, so... One of the attached photos taken at an angle through a window, shows a series of printouts stuck onto a whiteboard and on the wall next to it, featuring a series of mocked-up logos with the words KISS 1065. Images of Henderson and Sanderlands are superimposed on top. The other photo, taken through the window, shows a different crop of printouts pasted onto the same wall. This time, a slogan reads, Today was yesterday. Nick forwards the email to the news desk with a note saying, Lol, let's give these a run tomorrow. 
In the Mumbrella newsroom the next morning, I'm worried. Are we being set up with some sort of guerrilla marketing stunt or hoax? If it's real, it's an embarrassing breach of client confidentiality by the ad agency working on the launch of the new radio station. We decide to try to verify the tip-off. There's only one creative agency in Redfern that we can think of. It's five minutes from Mumbrella House by car. Nick jumps in a taxi to check if the printouts are still visible from outside. Mumbrella has recently joined the Australian Press Council, Conscious of the APC rules about reasonable expectations of privacy, I ask him not to take any photographs himself. He phones in when he gets to the agency. The printouts are still visible to anybody who walks along the public laneway next to the window. Nonetheless, we're still worried about it being a publicity stunt. Nick writes a draft of a news story and we call the creative agency for comment. Their reaction may give us a clue. We'll be suspicious if they're too helpful. 45 minutes later, an email arrives from the agency's lawyers. In the two-page attachment, they demand that we delete the photos without publishing them and give up our source. We have 20 minutes to comply. If the above demands are not met, our client will approach the duty judge in the Supreme Court to seek an urgent interlocutory injunction against you, concludes the lawyer. I'm not entirely sure what the word interlocutory means, but it is the strong reaction we've been hoping for. The biggest change to the Australian radio landscape in a decade is on. They're probably bluffing about the injunction, but we certainly don't want to go to court. We publish immediately, including the pictures. Five months earlier, a slip of the tongue. It was downhill all the way for both of Southern Cross Stereo's radio networks. The Today Network was still at rock bottom after the suicide of Jacintha Saldana, and the last thing the company needed was a major problem at its second network, Triple M. But it was going to be that kind of year, and decade. In May 2013, six months after the Today FM disaster, there was a new controversy for Southern Cross Stereo. This time, the offender was Eddie Maguire, host of The Hot Breakfast on Triple M Melbourne. Maguire had always spread himself thin, with presenting commitments to Nine, presidency of the Collingwood AFL Club, charitable work and daily breakfast radio for Triple M, not to mention calling multiple AFL games a week. Maguire's club had hosted the Sydney Swans during the AFL's annual Indigenous round in a game that became notorious when a young Collingwood fan called Swans player Adam Goods an ape. Initially, Maguire had handled the incident as well as could be expected, heading down to the dressing room to apologise to Goods, an Indigenous Australian, on behalf of the club. But on his radio show a few days later... Maguire had a disastrous on-air brain snap during a conversation with co-presenter, former AFL player Luke Darcy. They were talking about a publicity stunt organised by the producers of the King Kong musical, which was about to open in Melbourne. A few days earlier, 
a giant ape's hand had been attached to the 88th floor of Melbourne's Eureka Tower with an aerial stunt artist posting for photographs for the press. Recordings of the short conversation would be frequently replayed in the days that followed. After Darcy talked up the stunt, Maguire interjected, Get Adam Goodstand for it, do you reckon? Darcy awkwardly replied, uh, No, I wouldn't have thought so. Maguire blundered on. You can see them doing that, can't you? Radio etiquette demands that presenters don't leave each other hanging. So Darcy asked, Who? Goodsy, replied Maguire. And then he dug deeper. You know, with the ape thing, the whole thing, I'm just saying, the pumping him up and mucking around and all that sort of stuff. During the next break, the show's staff had to explain to Maguire that he had sounded racist. Later in the show, still not really understanding how his words had come across, Maguire offered an unconvincing on-air clarification. I wasn't racially vilifying anyone. His comments blew up. It was the sort of outrage that Twitter was starting to fuel so well. Just after lunchtime, Triple M put out an apology. We acknowledge that a comment made by Eddie Maguire on Triple M's hot breakfast show this morning may have been interpreted by some listeners as being racist. Eddie immediately clarified the meaning of his comment, which was not intended to be racist in any way, and apologised to any listeners who were offended. The press release also offered a convoluted explanation for Maguire. My comment was meant to be an ironic reference to the sort of techniques once used by some public relations consultants to publicise new shows. As I said on air at the first opportunity after I made the comment, I unfortunately mumbled my words and said something I didn't intend. I unreservedly apologise. While Maguire appeared to be genuinely regretful of the fresh upset he had caused to Goods, he also wanted to be judged by his intentions rather than his actions. Late that afternoon, he called a press conference, repeatedly using the phrase slip of the tongue while he tried to explain what had happened. I made a slip of the tongue remark this morning that was actually the opposite of what I was thinking at the time, he claimed. Later, Maguire would tell GQ magazine, I haven't really said this before, but I was on massive painkillers and crutches, an infection in my knee. I was on heavy duty painkillers, antibiotics and steroids. Despite the controversy, when the next set of radio ratings came out six weeks later, The Hot Breakfast overtook Matt Tilley and Joe Stanley's The Matt and Joe Show on sister station Fox FM to become Melbourne's top-rating commercial breakfast show for the first time in its four-year run. Three years later, Maguire would be apologising for an on-air gaffe again, this time for apparent misogyny towards The Age's chief football writer Caroline Wilson. He made the comments after being dunked in cold water for a charity fundraiser. In fact, I reckon we should start the campaign for a one-person slide next year, featuring Caroline Wilson, said Maguire. And I'll put in ten grand straight away. Make it twenty. And if she stays under, fifty. What do you reckon, guys? Former St Kilda captain Danny Frawley had then volunteered. I'll actually jump in and make sure she doesn't come up. I'll hold her under, Ed. Maguire kept going, describing Wilson as 
a black widow. She just sucks you in and gets you and you start talking to her and then bang, she gets you, he said. Just as the ape attack on Adam Goods had come during the AFL indigenous round, Maguire's comments on Wilson coincided with the AFL's anti-domestic violence White Ribbon Day round. Again, the apology for Maguire was long on context and short on contrition. There was no complaints at the time, he told his listeners. But later on in the week, in the context of White Ribbon Day, clearly people have had a look at it and revised it and have made their points. It was the least of anyone's intentions. It didn't cross anyone's mind. The day was based on good humour, sledging each other, tomfoolery. It was clearly banter. But on White Ribbon Weekend, we have to be ever vigilant in stamping out anything that could be misconstrued. People say, maybe you should have been more aware. If that's a criticism, I'll take it. Later, Maguire had another try, releasing a video apology in which he said, I'm really disappointed I've made remarks that are odds with my views on the place of women in modern Australia. Wilson was unimpressed. I think he had to be dragged into that point, kicking and screaming. His board didn't stand up to him over the Adam Goods business. It just keeps happening because he has such power. Get Kyle. In Sydney, there was a big decision to be made by Southern Cross or Stereo. The contracts for Carl Sanderlands and Jackie Henderson in the Today FM breakfast slot were up for renewal at the end of 2013. And although the Kyle and Jackie O show had been number one for the past six years, the management seemed to be half-hearted about re-signing them. The fallout from the prank call scandal was reverberating and the radio network had retreated into its shell. As the lengthy regulatory process dragged on, the station was still facing the possibility of having its broadcasting licence suspended. Producers now had to use a risk management app as part of their show planning process. Every creative idea needed to be assessed for risk. Although the prank call had taken place at a different show, the network was now completely risk-averse and Sanderlands was nothing if not edgy. There was also the problem that Although the show was top rating, its various controversies had turned advertising buyers against it. The on-air incidents, the lie detector, the piece of shit attack on Alison Stevenson and the Magda Sabansky concentration camp gaffe had all been turn-offs for advertisers. One Today FM sales staffer recalls presenting to media agencies and when Sanderland's name was mentioned, the body language would change and staff would fold their arms. There had also been bad behaviour behind the scenes. In his autobiography, Scandalons, Sanderlands would recall how, during his time on the Hot 30, Today FM's general manager, Cathy O'Connor, had staged an intervention in which the show's producers, and Henderson, had told him how his aggression and anger was affecting them. He reacted by losing his temper and storming out but acknowledged in the book that his colleagues had been correct. And although his behaviour had improved, Sanderlands was still hot-headed. Those close to him would talk about his personal generosity, but he remained a pantomime villain in the press. Staff were also concerned about Sanderlands' drug use, his lifestyle when he was broadcasting from his home in Los Angeles, and his general health. His sick days from the show 
were generating more bad press. One person who worked there at the time recalls wondering whether one day he'd wake up to headlines about Sunderland's being dead. And there were financial realities. The Today Network's revenues had slipped. The loss of the national Hamish and Andy drive time show in 2011 had been one blow, and the fallout from the prank call was another. The company had also signed an expensive deal to keep Hamish Blake and Andy Lee connected to the network with shorter, pre-recorded shows as they took their first steps into the world of podcasting. It was no time to be writing blank cheques to Sanderlands and Henderson. The duo also had radio history to contend with. There was a concern in management ranks that the show would begin to fade in the ratings, just as Wendy Harmer's The Morning Crew had. Behind the scenes, there were attempts to create a succession plan for the Kyle and Jackie O show by trying to poach Ryan Fitzgerald and Michael Whipfley from Nova's Sydney Breakfast Show to park them in the Today Network's national drive time slot. They'd then be ready to move to Sydney Breakfast if needed. That plan fell over in August 2013, when Fitzy and Whipper signed on to Nova for another four years. The renewal discussions went all the way to the top, with Southern Cross Osterio's Reese Holleran closely involved. Sanderlands, who'd been with Today FM since long before Southern Cross Media bought Osterio from the Kirby family, detected a change of culture. With the Kirby family, we'd worked with them for years, he says. They'd roll in in their cowboy boots and you'd make a deal. The new lot came in and they hadn't been in Metro Radio before, but they acted like they knew it all. Most concerning for Sanderlands was the fact that although he and Henderson were offered a deal, it was a short one, just two years. With a settled show, most contracts are usually for at least three. The chatter around the place was that we were coming up to ten years and they didn't think we could keep going, says Sanderlands. There was also an unhealthy amount of self-worth tied up with what management wanted to pay him. I think we were on two million then, says Sanderlands. He wanted four million. We were making them hundreds of millions a year and they came back with an extra 875,000. They said it's that or nothing and it was only for two years. That was the bit that was really bothering me. I went home and got stoned, recalls Sanderlands. He decided to make a big move. That evening, he called Australian Radio Network's programme director, Duncan Campbell, who he had worked for earlier in his career. ARN's two networks were adult contemporary station Mix, which was targeting women aged 25 to 54, and the classic hits format, Pure Gold Network, which included WSFM in Sydney and Gold 104.3 in Melbourne. I rang up Duncan Campbell, who I'd not spoken to since working in Perth. I was high as a motherfucker. I wanted us to have an option. Campbell was concerned that Sanderlands was not serious about coming across. There was no place for them at WSFM, where Brendan Jones and Amanda Keller were performing strongly at breakfast. And it was hard to see why they would want to go onto the Mix network, which had been struggling, particularly in Sydney. In the industry, Mix was seen as a bit of a joke. The station had started with an adult contemporary format, playing music from the 1970s through to the 1990s. It went through a series of relaunches, trying to find a younger demographic, 
but never seriously challenging Southern Cross or Stereo's Today FM in Sydney or Fox FM in Melbourne. The first thing Duncan asked me was whether I was just trying to start a bidding war, says Sanderlands. I told him, or Stereo thinks we're at the end of our career. If they feel in their heart of hearts that we're at the end and want to do a two-year contract instead of three years, then they've already made up their minds. Sanderlands had a bigger idea to put to Campbell. Close down Mix and start a new station, Kiss FM, which would chase a younger audience. The Kiss brand was an iconic one in US radio. It was owned by Clear Channel, which in turn owned half of Australian Radio Network in a joint venture with APN News and Media. Campbell promised Sanderlands he would take the idea to ARN's CEO, Kieran Davis. Davis, who'd been in the job since 2010, had been trying to figure out what to do about the Mix network, and particularly the Sydney station. Mix 106.5 was our big challenge. We had two or three iterations that had not done the trick, he recalls. Davis was also unhappy with the top-heavy management structure he'd inherited, which included a general manager in each market, which he was already unwinding. I wanted to invest in the content side of the business instead. We had not been investing enough in talent. With each new set of survey results, ratings got worse. Mix was the number six FM commercial station in Sydney. In breakfast, Mix 106.5's new pairing of Sammy Lucas and Yummy Steins had not been firing since going to air at the start of the year. The duo had inherited a poor 3.5% audience share and slipped to 3.3%. The day after the results came in, I wrote on a yellow note, Get Kyle, says Davis. An hour later, Duncan came in and said, I've just had a call from Kyle. I flipped over my note and showed him what I'd written down. Like Campbell, Davis was concerned he was just being used by Sanderlands to strengthen his hand with Southern Cross Stereo. I never thought it was going to happen. They were recognised as one of the best breakfast shows in the world. We were either being used in their negotiation or we were being stitched up for a big prank. Cautiously, Davis agreed to meet. Aiming to keep it under wraps, they booked a conference room at the Park Hyatt Hotel in Sydney's The Rocks. Davis and Campbell took a taxi to keep it low-key. They stepped out to discover Sanderlands's Rolls-Royce Phantom Coupe parked ostentatiously at the entrance to the hotel. Henderson did not come to the first meeting. Sanderlands says he had not yet told his co-host about his plan. Jackie's great, but she's a worrier, he says. Most of the conversation was between Sanderlands and Campbell. I spent my time looking for hidden cameras, says Davis. It was a good meeting, though, and we agreed to take the discussions further. At the next meeting, which took place in October, Davis walked in even more convinced that it was an elaborate prank. They met at the Ridges Hotel in North Sydney. Thanks to a booking mishap, the five of them, Davis, Campbell, Sanderlands' manager Andrew Hawkins, plus the two presenters, were given the Jacaranda ballroom rather than a conference room. They held their meeting around a single table in the biggest room in the hotel. 
It went well. We thrashed it out in about an hour and a half, says Davis. They agreed the outline of a deal which would see Sanderlands and Henderson get their $4 million in the unlikely event that their show topped the ratings. Sanderlands insisted that they would not join Mix. That was a deal breaker. It had to be a brand new network. Kyle had very strong views on not having Mix, which I fully agreed with, says Davis. With the next APN News and Media board meeting not due until December, Davis could not afford to wait. A special board meeting was called to approve the secret plan. On top of the presenter's salaries, the network would need to invest more than $5 million in marketing and a refit of the studios. We knew we had to go hard, but the board backed it 100%, says Davis. Meanwhile, the plan remained top secret, not least because the presenters were yet to sign a contract. Even after the negotiations fell over with Today FM, Southern Cross Osterio did not guess what their star presenters were up to. When the pair announced to listeners on the 1st of November that they would be leaving Today FM, Southern Cross Osterio thought they were leaving radio. Sanderlands and Henderson had, truthfully, promised that they were not going to mix. So Today FM kept them on air for a month-long victory lap, which only served to alert their listeners to the fact they were on the move. On the Monday morning of their final week on air came the leak to Mumbrella of the advertising agency's work. ARN put out a carefully worded non-denial denial. There are multiple scenarios for ARN next year, but we will confirm that nothing has been agreed. We're reviewing a number of talent and station options, and Kyle and Jackie O are one of these. While our marketing teams are preparing for every eventuality, the sharing of one of many draft concepts isn't ideal. On the Friday, 10 minutes after Sanderlands and Henderson said goodbye to their listeners on Today FM, ARN called its staff together and turned on the radio to mix. At 9.40am, the station played a promo announcing that it was the new home of the Kyle and Jackie O show. It will be replayed constantly in the days that followed. The staff reaction was extraordinary, says Davis. Nobody knew until it was announced. There were five seconds of silence followed by an eruption. Radio is a tough business. Mick's breakfast hosts, Sammy Lucas and Yummy Steins, only found out that day that their show had been axed after just eight months on air. While planning for Kyle and Jackie, we had to run a scenario B for if they didn't sign, says Davis. He also had another diplomatic issue to deal with. The Jonesy and Amanda show on WSFM was his company's star performer and he needed to reassure them that he had not adopted a new favourite child. They were mature about it, he says. Behind the scenes, ARN needed to put in its own risk management process. Asked later whether Davis ever felt that he was taking a commercial risk based on Sanderland's reputation, he replies, No, we didn't. We knew we could put protections in place and there would be a censor. Radio is broadcast on a few seconds delay, which gives the censor, more formally known as the on-air content advisor, 
the ability to hit a dump button to stop an offensive comment from going to air. The Kyle and Jackie O show would be unusual in having somebody whose main job was to be ready to press that button. The KISS marketing push was probably the most ever spent on a station launch in Australia. There was a TV commercial, ads across railway stations, billboards and on the sides of buses. Most people in the industry predicted it would be a long, slow process for KISS. On the 14th of January 2014, the morning the show launched, I wrote, Retaining the number one FM slot of more than a 10% share of the breakfast audience feels like a big, impossible actually, ask. That day, the first of the 2014 radio ratings year, marked the biggest reset across the radio industry in a decade. Over at Southern Cross Stereo, Today FM's new lineup, Merrick Watts, Sophie Monk, Jules Lund and former Spice Girl Mel B, was already on air, having started a week early. On AM, Fairfax's talk station 2UE had gone for yet another reboot, ditching Ian Dicko Dixon and novice presenter Sarah Morris for talkback veteran John Stanley and Fairfax's new news boss, Gary Lanell. ABC 702 also had a new breakfast show, with Robbie Buck taking over the Sydney breakfast from Adam Spencer. There were big changes in Melbourne as well. At Southern Cross Osterio's Fox FM, Dave Thornton and Fifi Box took the breakfast slot vacated by Joe Stanley and Matt Tilley. And Nova ushered in a new breakfast show with Michelle Laurie and Tommy Little picking up the slot previously occupied by Dave Hughes and Kate Langbrook. The ratings results arrived on the 10th of March 2014. The Kyle and Jackie O show was the number one FM breakfast show. And so was the Jonesy and Amanda show. In the space of a single survey, the newcomers had tripled their time slots share from 3.3% of the audience to 9.3%. WSFM's Jones and Keller grew their audience too. Remarkably, they also landed on 9.3%. It was a dead heat. I couldn't have planned it any better, says Davis. The images that made that evening's TV news were of all four ARN presenters sharing champagne. Meanwhile, across the whole day, Kiss FM jumped from a 4.9% share for Mix FM to 8.8%, taking it from last to first FM station. WSFM was second with 8.3%. At the end of 2014, ARN had recorded the most commercially successful year in its history, with revenues up by 18% to $180.9 million while profits rose by 14% to $66.5 million. In Sydney, ARN considerably grew audience share. Its WSFM and KISS stations finished the year as the number one and two FM stations from being number four and six in 2013. A rewarding result in the country's most commercially lucrative market, said the company's annual report to shareholders. Across town, Today FM's new lineup was obliterated in the ratings, falling from a share of 10.4% to 3.8%.
the radio station went from top FM breakfast show to dead last. I probably gave Kieran the greatest gift he's ever been given, admits former Southern Cross Stereo boss Reese Holleran. It was the flagship show of the company and we were thoroughly and completely humiliated in every survey that year. Poisoned Chalice The humiliation would go on long after Holleran's departure as Southern Cross Stereo's CEO in May 2015 to be replaced by Grant Blackley. The Today FM breakfast show became a constantly revolving cast. First to go was Mel B, who was dropped from the show after just six months. In October 2014, in the first of many pivots, Today FM announced that it would try again with the relatively inexperienced Dan DeBuff and Maz Compton as it attempted to find a younger audience. At the end of 2014, Southern Cross on Stereo announced a rebrand of its national Today network. In what looked like an admission that Today FM Sydney was more of a hindrance nationally, the word Today was gradually dropped. The Today network would become Today's Hit Network, and then Hit Network. A year later, after Dan and Maz slumped to an audience share of just 3.1%, they were chopped too. By now the corridors were starting to fill with presenters seeing out the second year of lucrative breakfast contracts without an on-air role. Next, Today FM brought in TV presenter Rove McManus and paired him with reality TV contestant Sam Frost, who had made her name on TEN's The Bachelor, but never done radio. They went on air in November 2015. Frost was far from a natural. That show lasted little more than a year and never went above a 4% share. Next, in January 2017, was the volatile M. Rusciano, who only agreed to do the show if she could present it from her hometown of Melbourne. Initially, she co-presented the show with Harley Breen. Breen quit after 10 months and was replaced by Ed Cavalli and Grant Denyer. By May 2018, the writing was on the wall for Rusciano when she appeared on Will Anderson's Willosophy podcast and revealed that she'd been unhappy at the imposition of her new co-hosts and was not enjoying being in a team environment. When Kyle and Jack left, they offered me that job and I decided not to take it because I was aware of how it was going to be and it has proved to be a real graveyard and a real poison chalice, she told Anderson, who was by then co-hosting The Hot Breakfast with Eddie Maguire in Melbourne. I think I'm probably hurling towards some sort of implosion in the next six months, she predicted. She quit four months later. Thirteenth onto the killing floor, since Kyle and Jackie O, was Ash London, who presented the show alongside Cavalier and Denya. The show blipped up to above a 4% share, but then slipped back under again. Finally, in August 2019... Today FM said that it was giving up on a breakfast show altogether. Instead, it would simply play music, announced by programmer Jamie Angel. Skeptics wondered why listeners would choose music on a commercial radio station over a Spotify playlist. 
Hit Network's head of content, Gemma Fordham, insisted to Mumbrella. Spotify in Australia is probably slightly different in terms of the listening habits compared to other places in the world. It hasn't really shown an increase in penetration here. What we know for radio is that people still love the medium of radio. But she admitted, we know it's like, here we go, here's show number four, here's show number five. But you know, every time we've done that, we've done it with the best of intentions of trying to connect further with Sydney. And every time we've done it, we've put in wonderfully talented people and it hasn't worked. The same sceptics also suggested that the move to music only would be temporary. But Fordham insisted, there's no plans for some grand show. I can understand the speculation, but there's absolutely nothing but commitment to this opportunity because ultimately it's a gap and it's something different. It's something different for Sydney and it's going to be tonally very different in this market. The change didn't work. With Today FM remaining the lowest rating of the FM stations, finishing 2020 with a 4.2% share. 15 months after switching to music only, Today FM changed its mind again. Once more, there would be chat at breakfast. The new show would be called The Morning Crew, in a nod back to the Wendy Harmer days. Ed Cavalli returned to the slot, along with comedian Dave Hughes. The pair had been presenting a national drive-time show since Cavalier was dropped from the Sydney Breakfast Show the last time around. And they will be joined by sports presenter Erin Molan in her first big FM role. This time, Fordham said, We know Sydney will be excited by this show in 2021. A genuinely funny show to start the day. In the meantime, ARN's commercial gamble on Sunderland's and Henderson just kept paying off. Southern Cross Stereo had seen Kyle at his worst, but Australian Radio Network got him at his best. Media agencies have short memories and young staff. Soon it reached the point where the planners at most media agencies would still have been at school when scandals like the lie detector happened. And as the wider industry began to acknowledge that Sanderlands was more than just a loudmouth, his insecurities appeared to fade. In October 2019, Sanderlands was interviewed on stage by Karl Stefanovic at the annual commercial radio industry Radio Alive conference. He disarmed the audience, making a convincing case that when he shot his mouth off, it was because of his lack of a filter, not to deliberately provoke. Advertisers supported the network. During the show's first six years on KISS FM, there was only one major skirmish with the Australian Communications Media Authority in September 2019, when Sanderland suggested that those who believed the Bible story of the virgin birth were Dharma's dog shit. Meanwhile, the ownership of ARN changed. Private equity firm Quadrant bought out APN News and Media's final stake in APN Outdoor in October 2013. This deal gave APN News and Media the funds to buy out Clear Channel from the joint ownership of ARN for a $246.5 million price tag in February 2014. And in December that year, ARN bought 96FM in Perth 
from Fairfax Media for $78 million to complete the KISS Metro network. And ARN continued to roll out the KISS network, rebadging Mix Melbourne as KISS 101.1, and then taking it to its stations in Adelaide and Brisbane. After APN News and Media CEO Michael Miller went back to News Corp in November 2015, ARN boss Kieran Davis was promoted to the top job. The confusion of there being two APNs in the industry, with APN Outdoor and APN News and Media, finally ended in May 2017. Davis announced that he would be rebranding APN News and Media as HT&E, short for Here, There and Everywhere. Meanwhile in Melbourne, Davis was back at the roulette table. This time, the stakes weren't quite as high as the KISS rebrand, but there was also more to lose. The company decided to axe the Gold 104.3 FM breakfast show, presented by Joe Stanley and Anthony Limo Lehman after just a year. There was more to lose because the show was number one in FM, with an 8.4% share, although the station was behind Southern Cross Osterio's Fox FM in share across the day. As Davis puts it, Limo and Joe was a solid show, but we felt there was more to be had for gold. The network made the unprecedented move of hiring directly from the UK, poaching one of the country's best-known broadcasters, Christian O'Connell. Australia had been on O'Connell's radar since presenting a one-off joint radio show with Hamish Blake and Andy Lee in May 2012 that saw his Absolute Radio breakfast show go out simultaneously with their Today Network drive time show. The higher defied conventional wisdom that the local Melbourne audience would turn against an outsider and one who didn't even have an AFL allegiance at that. O'Connell watched a focus group before he started. It was just brutal. They were just annoyed that it was a British person talking. O'Connell made a virtue of his new arrival status inviting representatives from every AFL club to pitch their wares before eventually settling on the demons. O'Connell also worked every angle, making his acclimatisation to Melbourne a central part of the show. He was diligent on social media, replying humbly to every tweet, chasing down listeners one at a time. It's like a snake shedding skin. O'Connell told me when I interviewed him in his studio in July 2019. I've done 21 years in radio and this is about finding a new voice. I had to find a different tone. During the show, I'm sat in front of the texts and every email, good, bad and ugly, because you can learn from all of them. It took O'Connell more than a year, but he eventually took the top FM slot in November 2019 delivering a 9.1% share. Gold's audience also soared across the day, making it the top FM station in Melbourne. Davis says he never doubted that O'Connell would break through. If you want to go to the next level, you've got to make big, bold moves. That was the latest chapter of my narration of my book, Media Unmade. 
You can buy the book online and at all good bookstores. I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, if you want to hear all future chapters, you'll need to be a paying subscriber of Unmade. You can sign up at unmade.media. That's the URL, simply unmade.media. Once you do, it only takes a couple of clicks to add the paid-for feed to the podcast app of your choice. The book was written and recorded in northwest Tasmania on the land of the Palawa people. This podcast is produced with the enthusiastic help of Abe's Audio. For voiceovers and audio production, from corporate to commercial, go to abesaudio.com.au. I'll be back with the next chapter soon. Toodle pip.